week I had the privilege of hosting my friends John Tyson and Sam Gibson. They lead a church in New York called Church of the City and a ministry called Pray NYC. We are, we are building a network called the Awaken Network, which is going to be our little tiny offering of, of helping churches become praying churches all over the world. And so they were here this week for five days. We shot 22 podcasts. If you don't know what that is, that's a lot. And uh, we got an uh, Airbnb up on the mountains between Slow and, and Shell Beach. It, just, it was amazing. We set up all of the gear and studios and the kitchen table. And just hour after hour after hour after hour, we had a really wonderful time just talking about prayer, about what God wants to do, that God's not done with the church. Amen? God's not done with our nation. He's not done with the nations of the earth. He wants to bring revival to his people and awakening to our culture. In that order, how many know he wants a revived church to serve his purposes to bring awakening to our culture, to our, to our city? And so that's the space I've been in all week, literally all week, of just thinking about that, talking about that, um, learning about that with, with these guys who are real significant leaders in the body of Christ, and it was such an honor. Thank you for those who prayed that it would be a fruitful time. I really do believe it was a fruitful time, and I'm excited to share the word this morning. Um, I was so impacted by Rick Schaefer's message last week. If you've not listened to it, I, it, it will be on our podcast. It's on our Facebook and YouTube. The, the way in which he shared, just conversational, the, 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 the points and principles he brought out about having confidence in our prayer lives, that there's someone responding who is moved by our requests and our prayers, that changes everything when it comes to prayer. If you think God is like, ugh, here comes Chad again with a request. Uh, blah, here comes Susie. Here comes somebody. Like God loves when we, when we pursue him in devotion, and he loves when we believe that he responds to our cries and our desires to see the kingdom of heaven established on the earth. And so I want to continue that conversation uh, about building confidence in prayer. We've been in this series about our mandate. What's our mandate? on earth as it is in heaven. And principally, one of the main ways we pursue that mandate is by becoming people of prayer. Interestingly, when Jesus said, this is how you should pray, the first thing he wants us to get is that we have a father who's our father, amen? So significance, belonging, provision, protection. We have an Abba, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he's in heaven, so he's bigger than your dad. So he's supreme, he's sovereign, he reigns and rules over all, so it's a vision of a father. What does he look like? Like the son? Oh, no one's like the son, so no one must be like the father. He's in heaven, so he reigns, he rules, he's, he's supreme and sufficient and sovereign. Hallowed be his name. We worship him, but that's not enough. My kids bear my name. So as people see them, they're seeing a reflection of me. So when we say, hallowed be your name, yes, we're ascribing glory, but we're also consecrating ourselves to bear resemblance to our Father. So it's, 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 it's worship and it's consecration. And then the very first thing he asks us to ask is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many believe that if we get that, those principles and that order established in our spirit, that has real ramifications to bring transformation to our lives, to our families, to our church, to the church, and to our cities. How many believe in our city they need to know there is a Father who loves them? I will not leave you as orphans. How many believe that there are people out there who need to know that there is a Father who's bigger than the Father of lies, 
bigger than the God of this age who have blinded the minds of unbelievers, bigger than the one who doesn't care about our well-being or our flourishing, but only wants to still kill and destroy. How many believe our city needs the revelation of the Father? Amen? That he's in heaven. We are not subject to the gods of this age that change, morph, and, and mold according to the pattern of popular opinion. We have a Father who's in heaven, who's unshakable and unchangeable. And he's holy. He has no shadow. He doesn't have a good day today and a bad day tomorrow. He has no mixture. He's totally pure, perfect, set apart. And he invites us into his very nature, into his purpose and person. This is not the message. This is a whole other message. But I'm trying to just encourage us that one of the primary ways we live at our mandate is by becoming a people of prayer. This is in the context of prayer. Prayer and obedience. And so the, the, the one-liner is today, I don't know how far we're going to get, but <clears throat> abiding and asking. In that order, say it with me. Abiding and asking. I was, um, I was really moved last night as, admittedly, I, my, my preparation and all of my sort of energy were focused on the task at hand. That doesn't mean, um, so last night, and, and just to, knowing I wanted to continue the conversation of prayer, this, this promise really hit me. And I'm, I'm hopeful in about 15 or 20 slides, I actually, I got it in a graphic. In my brain, I saw what does it mean to abide and his word abide in us and what, what are the implications of this promise for our lives? I just want to challenge you this week. Read John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Bonus, read 13, because it's all sort of a part. It's a really good. Just read that ch chunk. And I want you to underline how many promises Jesus gives us as it pertains to prayer. These are those pa passages that we have to try to explain away, like Rick said, because they so often do not match our experience. Has anyone ever had to feel like you do that with the Bible? Like, I know he said, ask whatever you wish and it will be done, but that is not my experience, so that cannot be true for my life. Anyone try to explain away the word because our experience doesn't match the promise? I got Jimmy saying right, but everyone in this room has done that. Like, faith as small as a mustard seed can't move mountains. I must not even have a mustard seed. And so what we do is instead of looking at the prototype and pattern, Jesus, and refusing to turn the dial, and in desperation and humility and repentance, as he is Lord, so we must become in this world, we water him down, and before we know it, we have a washed out, watered down, unrecognizable Jesus from the scriptures reveal, and we have a Jesus that fits our preferences and our current experience. How many want Jesus to be Jesus and us to orient around him and to be formed in his image and likeness instead of us settling for a watered-down, cheap imitation that we form in our likeness? This is happening all the time in our culture. Rick just asked how he could pray for us this morning. He's one of my best friends, and I send him all this, here's where we're going this morning. I'm going to build on what you brought last week. And I just gave him like four documents and all of these insights. But one of the things, he, I love what he said. He said, Chad, I don't know if this applies to you and your church, but he, he ministers a lot in YWAM cultures, youth with a mission, with a lot of young people. And a lot of young people love to talk about Jesus and intimacy. He said, Chad, I always have to, in every talk, say, it's not just Jesus I'm morphing around because I can make Jesus however I want. It's the Jesus revealed in the scriptures. And that's not a throwaway point. And I'm like, man, and I sent him this one-liner. He said, that's so good. 
It's the word, the word that reveals Jesus that's at the center of the church. I can make Jesus agree with my choices. Jesus loves all of my attitudes and my actions. He loves the character with which I'm developing. But the Jesus revealed in the scriptures, I don't get to change that or I'm in, I'm in dangerous territory. Read Revelation. Anyone who adds or subtracts from this word, you're under a curse. And so it's not just Jesus at the center, it is, but it's the, it's the Christ revealed to us by the scriptures and then made manifest to us by the work of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Are we doing okay? Whoa, this is a lot. It's deep, but it's true. Are we doing okay? So look at this promise. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So throughout the, oh, then the last one. You did not choose me, but I chose you, read it with me, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that, a little louder, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. How many would say, this is a pretty good promise? <laughs> Did Jesus mean it? Whatever you wish, whatever in my name, the Father, listen, the Father is glorified by the answered prayers of his son's disciples. Here's the bummer about prayer. So much of our praying and asking, we do not expect for God to respond to or to bring answer. And so we can do lip service. We, we, we all be praying for your brother or sister, but I'm not expecting for God to release or do anything or change anything. Am I the only one? Where so much I go through the motions, but if I would just, if I pause long enough with the, the life-altering reality, even of just these two little promises in the same passage, how might that change how I view the impossibility that I'm facing in my family? The impossibility that I'm facing in my workplace, the seeming impossibility I'm facing with my friendships. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for anything you want and it will be granted. So I wrote this, his word is God's will and wisdom and way. The, here, here's, this, is, this was everything to me last night as I was just thinking, if I abide in him and his word abides in me, here, here is the, here's the one-liner. I'm not going to say anything better than this sentence, the rest of the sermon. I'm not. This is it. This, everything hangs on this one idea, and I want you to say, Am I, is the word abiding in me according to this definition? It's the word that we adjust to, accommodate, and orient around in order to obey Jesus. So what I saw in my inner man and in my spirit as I'm praying for our church, I'm thinking about this word and this promise of prayer. Why am I doing this? Don't forget, Rick's anchor passage is a passage I memorized as a teenager. 
I'm writing these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life in him. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. That was Rick's passage last week, 1 John 5, 13 through 15. So they're like, if we know we're asking his will, we know he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we get what we ask for. Are you seeing the sequence? So the will is only, listen, here, this is such an easy statement, but it was new to me by the Spirit last night. His will is his word. Duh. But it was new to me last night in my spirit. I don't know why. It just, I needed it. How do I know the will? Pray the word. But the abiding word, here's what many believers do. I'll wait for the graph because it'll be a good close. I'm going to wait for the graph. But the abiding word. So listen, many of us can read John 15, 7 and say, oh, I can ask for whatever I want. Jesus is going to give me. He's a genie. I just get three wishes or 10 or 50. Come on, somebody. I don't, it doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter how I'm adjusting or I'm obeying. I, just give me, 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 me. All of us started in the kingdom of God in that way, and do not deny it. It's okay. He loved us at that stage. I said he loved us at that infantile stage. We were born again. Born again in the kingdom means you are an infant in the kingdom, and he loves infants in the kingdom. Come on. Don't despise the day of small beginnings or how we start. But I just, as he grows us into a toddler phase in the kingdom and child and adolescent phase and teenagers and eventually into spiritual parents, we realize there's more to how it works. The abiding word, if my words abide in you, it's the word that we adjust to. We accommodate. And what I saw the word, I saw the word, literally Jesus is the incarnate word. But as we think about the word, the scriptures, the promises of God, what I saw them in the life of a believer, it was like we take them into ourselves. And instead of saying, God bless all of my agenda, the word comes in. And now my whole agenda adjusts and accommodates and orients around the word of God. Is that fresh? Are you getting that? I'll, I'll try to unpack it more. I got a bunch of more slides. But this promise, I think, is what Jesus is saying. If you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, I think he means this, that disciples are those who realize I'm not trying to invite Jesus into 50 of my things. Jesus is inviting me into his one thing that has implications for all of my things. My time, treasure, talent, leisure, work, all of it. My politic. He, Jesus is inviting us into the one thing, which is intimacy and friendship with him, and that changes everything. This is the abiding word. I think this is what Jesus is getting at. Abiding implies connection, moving from self-reliance to God-reliance. It, invo it involves conversation, learning to listen and learn and look to Christ in real time. It starts in the morning in a secret place, and we never have to lose connection or conversation with the Lord. Aren't you thankful? In him and through faith in him. Ephesians 2.13, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. For through him, we all, Ephesians 2, 18, have access to the Father by one Holy Spirit. Did you know that you actually can develop connection and conversation with Jesus all day, every day? It, it, it's communing, it's pursuing intimacy and fellowship. We want to be one with you, close with you, intimate with you. And then ultimately, it's conformity. 
we yield to the grace of God and the work of the Spirit so that we increasingly, Galatians 4.19, are transformed into his image and likeness. This is abiding, connection, conversation, communion, and conformity. The abiding word. Abiding in Christ means allowing his word, this is a quote, to fill our minds, direct our wills, and transform our affections as we learn to love and obey him no matter the cost or consequence. How are we doing? How many want to live and ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you life? That's why I'm, this is, I got one point this morning. <laughs> Learning to respond to the abiding word. It'll change everything. Okay, move on. That's all good stuff, but we can just email it. Abide is union. So I love all this stuff, but I'm just going to let you read it later. The Okay, I love this. The relationship of a man or a woman to God is determined by the way in which he or she is related to the word of Jesus. In other words, we don't know him apart from his word. Right? We've got a lot of people, just me and Jesus, but it, it has to be the Jesus revealed in Scripture. I am a mystic. I am, I am so a contemplative dude. I spend hours. I'll prayer walk, run, just think, get caught up in the glory that... Paul used and, and John between the two of them like 160 times-ish in Christ, in Christ. And we, it is mystical. It's glorious. It's mysterious. Amen? But I will never grow in, in knowing him apart from how he's been revealed by the Spirit through the Word throughout, throughout history. This is the relationship. The way he's determined that we would know him is through his Word. So here's the difference between the abiding word and how many of us use the word. The devil took him to a holy city and placed him on the pinnacle. And look what the devil does. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels. He's quoting Psalm 91. The devil is quoting the Bible. Stinker. Command concerning you on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Here's the deal. The devil can quote the Bible, but it has no power in his life because he can't rearrange his inner world around the word, accommodating, bending, and giving way to the word. He treats God's word as a means to his own ends. The devil's not a, he doesn't have the abiding word in him. He can quote the word, but it's not the abiding word. It's not the word that comes with power and precision, severing lies, conquering sin, imparting identity, uh, implanting us in the promises and purposes of God. The devil can't rearrange his life around the word, but you and I can. That's the power of the abiding word. Whoo! Let that sit on you. Let it hit you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you want. Why? Anything you're asking for, it's because it's been rearranged around the supremacy and sufficiency of my revealed word by the Holy Spirit. Look, here's the graph. So this is, this, this is the climax. Here we go. Ready? This is the abiding word. This is what I saw last night on my front porch as I was watching the sun go down. I'm like, Lord, you need, I need more for tomorrow. But I saw this so clearly, and I had a crummy version in Word, but then I went to Canva and made a prettier version. This is the abiding word. You want power in your prayer? Let the word have its way, and, and, and it, 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 yeah, just read it. Time. Treasure, talent, friends, family, vision, values, affections, priorities, pursuits, family. Jesus is saying if the word takes centerpiece in your life, it will inform. How many believe the word has implications for how you spend your time, your how you allocate treasure, 
your talents. Just keep saying amen so I don't have to go through the whole list again. The abiding word is the word at the center. How do I bend and bow to it? How many of us inherited our Christianity is I'm at the center. I'll try to find a word to agree with the things I'm cool with in my life, but the word that speaks against or corrects and, and rebukes me for something, that can't apply for today. It has to apply for this super spiritually elite Christian, not me. But beloved, there is a direct line of correlation. God is not a genie. And it's, not, it's not an equation, but it's a principle that is unshakable in the kingdom of God. The abiding word can transform the entirety of our life, giving us confidence in the place of prayer. The abiding word. The abiding word is the word that we're willing to obey because we love Jesus. The abiding word is the word that everything bends and bows to. It's the word which infuses and informs my life by the power and the purpose of God. Jesus himself bent his will around the wisdom, will, and way of his Father. This was his orienting principle in life. This is the abiding word. So just like Rick shared last week, if you ask anything according to his will, you know that he hears us. And whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. His will is his word. And here's what's so powerful. Maybe you're here and there's something on that chart you actually don't know what God thinks about. You don't know what he thinks about your family. Guess what your assignment is this week? God, what do you say about my family? Listen, we are in war right now, culturally. We are, this is not, oh, I'm sure God has an opinion about said thing in my life, but I'm too lazy and I don't really care to find out. It's time to find out, beloved, what God says about how you spend time, what he says about our family, what he says about our vision, what he says, what he says, what he says. I want you to know he, said, he has an opinion and his opinion is right. His word brings life and light why is it so important that his word is central in our life? This is a little preacher one-liner, ready? Because his word is like a hammer. How many have hard, impossible things that the word needs to break through in your life? Come on, his, that's, that's, uh, I won't give references. I have all of them. I'll give them to you in an email. His word is like a fire, same passage in Jeremiah 23. How many often have cold, complacent areas in their life that you need the word to be like fire to illuminate you and to bring warmth to your inner man or person again? His word is like bread. How many need nourishment in your nine to five everyday grind of life? You need the bread of his word to feed you. His word is like water that cleanses and brings refreshment, Ephesians 5, 25 through 29. How many need his word to refresh your, your spirit, your life? You need to bring refreshment to your family. His word is like a seed. How many need his word to help you believe that most of the kingdom fruit you are gonna see is by responding a thousand little times over a consistent period that you don't give up until you see the harvest. How many need the word to be like a seed that really we've gotta play the long game together? Amen. His word is like a seed. His word is like a light and a lamp. How many need direction and insight as pertaining to the things you're walking through and facing? His word is truth, and it's like thunder. How many want his word to speak over the lies and accusations of the enemy, causing him to tremble at the word of the Lord that's like thunder? 
that causes the cedars of Lebanon to quake, that causes the nations to boil. This is the word, the abiding word. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for anything you wish and it will be granted to you. His word is his will, his will, his wisdom, and his way. I'll go back to that slide that I really liked. I told you it was my favorite slide. I think it's right here. How many right now know there, there, is, there is progress to make by God's grace and Holy Spirit to pursue the abiding word residing in your heart this week, the word that we adjust to, I couldn't, I I don't know if I'm doing a good job. I'm done. But I felt it so strong last night. Picture the word as an extension of God's uh, life. And when he speaks a promise and a word and when he brings conviction, you know how kind that is that he would do that to people like us? I saw it like, I saw the word like the most esteemed guest imagined, more than the president, more than an emperor more than a celebrity. Like when God speaks his word to us, it's like, it's like giving it the red carpet treatment and whatever it says, I'm going to adjust. I'm going to hit pause. Whatever the word is saying, however it's training or correcting or rebuking, whatever it's revealing about an area of compromise or complacency, I want to stop and allow the word to take preeminence in my life. I think that's what he means because that promise is too wild to be misinterpreted if he abides in us and we abide in his word, I think that is what will give us confidence to know, A, what's on his mind, B, how I can agree with it in intercession, and C, so I can see it manifest in the earth. Amen? The first role of prayer is to see what's on his heart even more than what's on our heart. But doesn't he care like, about my requests? One trillion percent, one Timothy one, one Timothy two. Present your request to God. But I'm convinced that the secret sauce, what if our first movement is, God, what's in your heart? How can I adjust and respond to it and then partner with it through prayer and through simple obedience? I believe, beloved, just like the passage last week, this could revolutionize our prayer lives. How many want more power in your prayer life? How many want more precision in your prayer life? I don't want to ask for 10,000 things. I would rather ask for one thing and know it's on his heart so I could see it manifest in my life, in my family, and in his world. This is the abiding word. The abiding word. But here's the thing. Jesus said this in John 8, 37. There is a category of people that have no room for his word in their heart. And it's those people who are seeking glory through the the praise of men. Jesus said in John 8, there's no room in my heart, in your heart for my word. You're so busy pandering to the applause and looking for the approval of men. My my word has no place to land in in your spirit. Jesus says the same thing. Because you love human praise, John 12, 43, there's no space for you to receive the praise that you actually long to hear, which is the approval and applause of my Father. 
John 8, 36 through 44. And so my question for us this morning, are there things standing in the way of God's abiding word? I, I don't know if it's help. I was helpful for him. Picture his word, his presence and promise like the most esteemed guest that you're meant to house and host on, your in, on the inside. And listen, when I have guests over, listen, I can be lazy like the best of them. But when I have friends and family over, I don't sit down. I serve my guests because I can't believe they'd be willing to come into my house and to be the recipient of my humble, weak attempt at hospitality and generosity. How many know God and his word are the principal guests of every disciple's heart? When he speaks, oh. How many need to adjust and accommodate to his promises and his word? How many want to repent this morning? Repentance is not a, it's a, I want to change my thinking and then therefore my lifestyle. I want your word to take priority and preeminence. Maybe his word has spoken something into your life as it pertains to that big chart. Oh, where is it? Something about your family, your friendships, your time, your treasure, your talent. Maybe you've been trying to squeeze God into those. Instead, he's saying, let those be infused and informed by my word at the center of your heart and life. This applies to every person on the planet. Jesus wants to be the priority. And when he's in his rightful place, guess what? Everything else can fall into place. Everything else can fall into place. Your workplace your responsibilities, the various roles that you carry in your nine to five and the like. The abiding word is the word that we adjust to, accommodate, and orient around in order to obey Jesus. If my words abide in you, ask for anything you wish, and it will be granted to you. This brings glory to my Father, what? That you ask anything in my name, and I'll do it. How many want in these days that we're living in to see the Father glorified like crazy through the answered prayers of his people? The asking doesn't bring him glory. It moves him. It's the response to the ask that brings him glory. It's the fruitfulness. And I love this. John Tyson said this in one of our podcasts. I got, he, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and that's Jesus, not John. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be. The glory of prayer is not what we do with on our end, but what he does in response to what we do on our end. The glory of prayer is if you ask, you'll receive. Say receive. That if we seek, we will. And if we knock, the door will be. That's the glory. That's how the Father is glorified. He wants us to actually expect because our inner world has been so adjusted and brought into adherence and abiding with his word that the things we ask for more and more, he's like, are you kidding me? I can't wait to grant that. That is exactly what's on my heart. That is exactly what my word reveals. That is exactly what I want to do in your life and through your life and through your obedience. We're going to beat my wife again. She's preaching and I'm done. She likes it when I do that. So just pause. Has it been helpful? No hype. No hype. Helpful. The abiding word. 
How many have had a tool, even a picture, a mental picture you can apply this week in your discipleship? Picture it. The word is the principal guest. When he speaks it, boom, I build my life around it. And so just look at that chart right now. Maybe grab your phone. I always take notes. If you don't have a physical journal, maybe you can just write your, on your, I, your iPhone. What of those areas, and I could have put way more, what of those areas need to come into, need to adjust according to God's word? Or better put, what of those areas you have no idea what God thinks about? <laughs> and so this week, you want to go find out. It's there, beloved. Did you know it's there? Hello, did you know it's there? We are bi biblically rich. We have such access. I have an app that has 100 versions. What a tragedy to live most of our life not knowing what God thinks about the majority of my life. Beloved, go, 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 go. He, be a student of his word this week. God, what do you think about that? Google it. Go to Bible Gateway. Go to Life. There's a, there's a trillion resources. Even if you don't know where to find it, you could find it. Call me. Text me. Email me. Let's go on a journey. Chad, I don't know what God thinks about work. I don't know what he thinks about my, my just let's go on this journey together because I want to see us live out of that abiding word reality where increasingly we're able to tell each other, what if one of the first things we could say when we meet each other is, A, what have you been contending for? And B, how are you seeing God respond? What are you crying out for? What are you asking? Maybe ask that prayer. I've been asking that prayer as your brother and your pastor. Lord, what's the thing? What's the burden of the Lord in this hour? What are you calling us to build and to pursue? If you don't have a burden, ask him for one. God, what are you thinking? What are you sensing? What are you feeling? How can I partner Lord, how can I free up space of my, even my habits, my Netflix binge, you know, habits? How can I free up a little bit of time or a lot of bit of time to just check in with you and what you're thinking about? What are you moving? How are you moving? And how can I join you? It's the word that we're willing to obey because we love Jesus. That's the abiding word. Anyone got one thing? that they can adjust to, that, that, that the Lord Holy Spirit's speaking to. One thing. If not, I'm going to pray that he will. So let's pray. It's so, so helpful, Lord. I, I just thank you for your word. I love you so much. Thank you for that little picture you gave me at sunset last night. That We want to adjust to you. We want to adjust. We want to respond and accommodate to your promises and to your principles. And so just maybe pray this prayer. Say, Lord, speak your word again inside me. The Bible is lit. I forgot. It's like a sword. That was one I forgot. You're confused. Guess what? His words is sword. Say that prayer. Lord, cut through any confusion in my life. Any cloudiness in my life, bring the sword of your word. Any area, Lord, that I'm, I have mixture where I have a little bit of your word, but a little bit of my word and the world's word. Someone say right now, Lord, come and sever all mixture in my heart. Look what it says. It's a double-edged sword. It divides soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges thoughts, attitudes of my heart. Say, Holy Spirit, let the word cut me so that I can know what you're thinking and respond accordingly. Lord, we want to be those who abide in your word and your word abides in us. And so, Lord, I just thank you that we would be a church that can expect God to hear our prayers 
because we're abiding in his word and his word abides in us. Oh, I pray that you would breathe on our prayer lives, that, that area like when we wake up and in our commuting, our lunch hour, and our lunch break, Lord, and our coming and our going around our dinner tables and our friendship groups, Lord, and our small groups and our workplace and our world, that God, your word would dwell richly among us. God, I just pray those words that the enemy tried to steal, that you would just cast that crow off of our soil of our heart, Lord. Those areas where the, the word is shallow, but it hasn't gone deep, Lord, let the word go deep. God, that word, that like the third soil, there's thorns that are choking it because I'm a divided vessel. Lord, bring sanctification, bring unity to the inner world of our church that we would will one thing, which is you. And then, Father, we want to be the soil number four, a noble and good heart that cherishes your word, that perseveres, and in time will produce 30, 60, 100-fold crop. Oh, Lord, make us a church, make us a people that your word can take home in and root. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Amen. Will you stand to your feet? I want to give you this benediction. Are we encouraged this morning by God's promises and God's word? I'm, cha I'm challenged, man. This is uh, one of the most important promises in the whole Bible. Joshua chapter 1. Verse 7, be strong. I'll say this over you. Just put your hands out like you're receiving. This is a benediction. Be strong and very courageous, brother and sister. Be careful to obey all the law of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left so that you may be successful this week wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you this week wherever you go. If you receive that, can you say amen? Amen. I love you so much. Let his word dwell richly among you, and may his peace be upon you as you go. Bless you. If you need prayer, I'd love to pray for you this morning.